sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. And maybe sooner than we think. Here's the old line. This is going to be a tough play. What's going on, Cubs fans? I am Sean Sears, and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. The Cubs take game one of this three-game set with the Tigers Monday night, 9-3, with Javi Baez hitting two home runs. He might be back, maybe, kind of. We'll recap this win in the first segment and then preview Tuesday night's matchup featuring Tyler Chatwood's return from the 10-day IOL. Plus, Jose Quintana is available starting today from the bullpen. On top of that, Sahadav Sharma spoke on 670 The Score and put out an article today breaking down some of the Cubs' offensive woes. And while they're doing some things very well, it isn't translating to consistent offense. We'll kind of go through that here in the second segment. Today's episode is brought to you in partnership with CubsInsider.com. Head to Cubs Insider to read all about how you Darvish is working at one pitch at a time while Craig Kimbrell continues to navigate his curveball. Read that and more at CubsInsider.com, official partner of Lockdown Cubs. You can get Lockdown Cubs on whatever podcast app you use. Make sure when you get into your car, you tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of podcast Lockdown Cubs. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. So here in this first segment, as I ta- talked about here, Cubs beat the Tigers 9-3. to The offense shows out throughout this game. Um, a good bounce-back performance from Alec Mills, but the big talk was Javi Baez hitting two home runs, looking like himself again. He had a nice hit single as well earlier in this game. He went 3-for-5. David Bodie did an excellent job in the bottom half of this uh, lineup as well, driving at a couple runs too. Cubs improved to 18 and 10, taking advantage of these Tigers who are now 11 and 16. Not so great, but they were facing Casey Mize, the uh, one of the Tigers' top prospect, their top pitching prospect. Uh, he picked up the first loss of his of his career, I guess. Technically, he got a no decision in his previous start against the White Sox. But uh, on the mound for just three to third innings of work, the Cubs got him to 76 pitches by the fourth inning and pumped him out. So Casey Mize on the day, three to third. Five hits, four runs, three of them earned, two walks, two strikeouts, and a home run allowed to Javier Baez. Excuse me, actually, I think that was David Bodie, and then got pulled. Alec Mills on the day. He picked up his third win of the year, going seven innings, allowing seven hits, three earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts, and a home run. His ERA lowered to 455. Went 93, 94 pitches in this game. Looked like Alec Mills. We saw the 64-mile-an-hour curveball, his 91-89 fastball that he'll throw in, a nice slider to throw guys off as well. Just you know, classic Alec Mills keeping this Tigers team off balance. Ryan Tapira looked great as well in one inning of work. He picked up a hold along with two strikeouts, lowered his ERA to 2.38. And then Colin Ray finished out the game with a strikeout in the ninth, in the eighth inning. Um, excuse me, ninth inning. So 
The Cubs scoring started in the second inning when David Bode hit a single on the center field, scoring Wilson Contreras after he got on with a single. And then Victor Carantini was hit by a pitch. He got on base twice last night, both times getting hit by a pitch. Um, He's able to get on, and then he scores eventually after Nico Horner hit a single through uh, the shortstop, short into center field, kind of. Carantini rounds third and scores. Bode moves up to third. The Cubs take a 2-0 lead early on in this game. Uh, Now... Alec Mills does run into a little bit of trouble in the bottom of the third. Uh, he gives up a single to Will Castro, or Willie Castro, excuse me, and then another single to Jonathan Scoop. Uh, Miguel Cabrera walks, so base is loaded. Candelario, former Cub, Jaimer Candelario, grounds out into, uh, I think he grounded out to second base. Javi scooped it and threw it to first. They tried to turn a double play, but just couldn't make it happen fast enough. So Javi gets the play second, doesn't throw over to first. I think it was actually Rizzo scooped the ball on a liner, threw it to Javi. He tried to turn double play, but Alec Mills couldn't get over to cover fast enough. So the Cubs just get one out. Um, but obviously a run scores on that play. They eventually get Nico Goodrum to pop out. The Cubs still holding on to one. A little scary there. Top of the fourth, David Bodie immediately gives the Cubs some insurance. He hits a solo shot into left center field on a 3-2 count. Cubs up 3-1. And then, I believe Nico Horner reaches on an air. He steals second. Horner moves up to third on a line out from Hap, and then Anthony Rizzo singled into center field to score Horner, which was an unearned run because of the air. And then Javi Baez hits a home run into left center field, 425 feet. Rizzo scores on the play. Cubs now up 6-1. to one, And the offense feels like it's cooking again. The Cubs threaten a little bit in the top of the fifth, but do not score. They do get the bases loaded and do not score, which is a bummer. And then the bottom of the seventh, Christian Stewart hits a two-run shot off of Alec Mills. On a 1-2 count, Mills goes with a curveball after uh, Stewart kind of fouled one off. It seemed like he was on it a little bit. He throws it again. He takes it into right field. Jacoby Jones on on base. Cardinal, or excuse me, Cubs up six to three. Tigers getting two runs back. Top of the ninth, the Cubs get a few more insurance runs. Javi Baez hits a home run into left field, his second of the day. Uh, Cubs bump it up to seven to three. And then David Bodie hits another single. Almora and Hayward score. Cubs up nine to three. Frustrating part again, though, they did get the bases loaded. And obviously, Nico or David Bodie came in and knocked a couple more in, but Nico Horner on a one-two count, ground ball, double played, and that inning. So a little frustrating on the day the Cubs offense did score obviously nine runs, and that's huge, but they left nine runners on base. They want just four for twelve with runners in scoring position. Still okay. Obviously, nine runs, you'll take it. Um, however, they did have five extra base hits, which were great. Three of those being home runs, two from Hobby, one from David Bodie. So that was nice to see. Overall, the offense, you it makes you wonder a little bit still if they were playing somewhat of a better team, if these runs still come across. But the Cubs able to shut it down. One, two, three, Colin Rea. Takes out Jacoby Jones, Christian Stewart, Austin Romine. Uh, Cubs win this one 9-3. to three. So, overall, you know, that's a, a good win. This Tiger team, not very good, but a team that you need to beat. And, you know, definitely a team that you could probably tune up the offense a little bit. So, hopefully that happens. Obviously, Tyler Chatwood going tonight. You've got Jose Quintana in your bullpen now. The Cubs are getting healthier. Chris Bryant hopefully should be back sometime next week. He was placed on the IL retroactive to August 19th. So the team's getting better health-wise. Offensively, they're going to get some bats hopefully soon. Um, 
we'll talk a little bit about some of the targets maybe at the deadline here in the second segment. But overall, obviously, I think the glaring issue right now is the Cubs probably need a, a real right-handed bat on their bench because Almora doesn't make much sense, especially pinch running for Schwarber. I don't get that. Ross has done that twice now, and uh, maybe he just thinks Elmore is a lot more savvy on the bases. Uh, he definitely looks more athletic, I guess you could say, than Schwarber necessarily. But I don't think either one of them are much faster than the other. And honestly, like you have Ian Miller. I don't know why if he's on the bench and you're not going to pinch run for him here. Like, I don't know. Maybe Ross wanted to save his bat for later. I, I don't know. Like, this is exactly what you would probably want him on your roster for to pinch run. So that was strange to see. My only gripe with Ross so far. But honestly... This was a great job. A huge win for the Cubs. They needed to start feeling like their offense can do some things after feeling pretty inept these last couple weeks. Get some pretty good teams. So hopefully that changes here going forward. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And they're improved now and more delicious than ever with six new flavors to add to their already 18 amazing flavors being caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry baraka, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Some delicious flavors to go along with their coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, mint brownies, actually my favorite, double chocolate, orange, toffee, coconut, peanut butter brownie, all those flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, easy soft to chew, some of the best tasting bars I've had. But on top of that, Built Bar is healthy. It's great for health conscious people like myself who are trying to lose weight or, you know, work out and still try and keep eating something good for you. But that is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. It's great for keto diets. Um, It's a ton of just great options you can have while you're working out, while you're trying to eat a little bit healthier. Those are things Built Bar is built for. But I think what one of my favorites is the cookies and cream. It's got 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carb. I'm not very a, a super health-conscious person myself. I like cookies and cream. I like stuff that tastes good. But I'm definitely trying to look for stuff to snack on throughout the day. Built Bar's been great because, obviously, first off, they sent me some bars immediately when they first started partnering with Locked On, and they're delicious. But it's nice to have something that I can eat on and chew throughout the day that isn't, like, you know, goldfish, something bad for me pop sugar all this stuff that i'm probably you know constantly distracted with my refrigerator being directly behind me at my desk in my apartment having built bar here has helped me honestly lose a little bit of weight while i've been in quarantine and it's honestly encouraged me to try and work out a little bit more but right now built bar has reset their promo code and is now offering a free cooler with purchase so while supplies last there's only about a week or so left in this so obviously place your order soon but go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on and you'll get ten dollars off your next order once again, that's promo code LOCKDOWN for $10 off at BuiltBar.com, the best tasting protein bar you will ever have. All right, so Tuesday night's matchup, it's Cubs-Tigers, Tyler Chatwood versus Spencer Turnbell. Of course, Chatwood coming off the IL, his first start since uh, pitching against, I believe, the Royals about a week or so ago. Uh Yeah, back on August 6th, so two weeks ago, geez, almost three weeks ago. Uh, two and a third, he went... It was a pretty bad start. Um, 11 hits, 8 runs, 4 strikeouts, 2 home runs allowed on just 63 pitches. He obviously pulled in the third. Uh, Chatwood had been fantastic up until that point, though. Allowed only one run uh, (laughs) in his two starts, obviously, against Milwaukee and 
the the Pirates had looked really strong. Uh, on the season, though, 2.54 ERA, that's going to be inflated by the eight runs he allowed to the Royals. He's looked really good, though. Uh, he had 11 strikeouts in that start against Pittsburgh. Obviously, the, the Pirates are a little swing-happy. Tigers run into a similar issue, too, so maybe Chatwood can get back on the right track, get himself feeling a little bit better. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know if he'll stay in this rotation, especially if Mills continues to pitch well and Jose Quintana looks strong. Um, big advantage to Quintana is he's obviously a lefty that can see righties and lefties, or at least has the experience to do that at being a starter. So maybe that's something you want to try. The Cubs do need a lefty in their bullpen right now. Might be an um, interim option, but I would assume Chatwood, Quintana, and Alec Mills continue to get starts throughout this season, unless Quintana is absolutely what they need in this bullpen. On the other side, it's Spencer Turnbell pitching for the Tigers, the 27-year-old right-handed pitcher. is 2-2 two and two on the year. He's got a 3.65 ERA, 21 strikeouts to 15 walks. The walks have been an issue. Uh, in his last start against the White Sox, he lasted just two innings, allowed two hits, three earned runs, four walks, no strikeouts, and just 60 pitches. Um in each of his starts this year, he's walked at least one batter, but he's walked four batters three times. Uh, two walks against Pittsburgh. Uh, he's a guy that does have strikeout stuff. He's got good speed. He does have some breaking balls he can mix in there, um, but he's still a little bit, maybe not raw, but a guy that obviously when he's not locating can put guys on the base really quickly and it doesn't take much for the Cubs to do damage, obviously, on some pitches here in Comerica. So hopefully that continues to happen. But Turnbull, is an, he's an impressive arm. He's not a, a, a slouch by any means here. That being said, though, the Tigers, their last 10 games, 2-10 and 10 on the season. Obviously, they're 11-16. and 16. They started out really well, but they just have not <laughs> been able to maintain that, which you would expect for a team that's not expected to do much over these next few seasons. So, uh this should be another tune-up game for the Cubs. Hopefully the offense continues to hit, and Tyler Chatwood looks a little bit more like what we've seen from earlier on before that start against the Royals. But Quintana coming back to the bullpen, at least for now, that's huge. Um, and a quote he gave uh, talking about uh, basically his return, he said, I've been working really hard to get back as soon as possible. Uh, it took me a little time, you know, how to feel to do, I feel ready to do my job, and right now, I'm ready to take whatever role they ask. I'm happy to be here. I know Tuesday I'll be in the bullpen. I just want to help. It's awesome to be back. So that's a nice approach you like to see from Quintana. I wouldn't expect him to stay in this bullpen very long until, like I was saying, unless unless the Cubs really like him in his matchups against right-handers and left-handers, um, I think he'll probably find his way back into the rotation, maybe be a guy, the upbridge guy to the bull or to the the closer role at some point you could get creative you don't have to necessarily throw starters in as starters you could you could find ways to make it work so the cubs do need bullpen help especially on the left side so quintana there right now makes sense um in the future i think chatwood probably makes a little more sense especially because he's he's got the stuff that can play up in high leverage moments um, we talked about uh, Sahad of Sharma. He talked to 670 to score Dan Bernstein earlier today and was talking a lot about this article he put out about how the Cubs are seeing a lot of pitches. They're first in baseball at number of pitches per bats, but they're just not doing a ton of damage on pitches when they're in the zone. Um, quote from Sahad of entering play on Monday, the Cubs were last in first per, or first strike percentage at 56.2%. A percentage of counts seen by percentage of counts seen their fourth in three and O counts. 5.6% of the time they've seen those. Three and one, they've seen those counts 10.8% of the time, and they're first in two and O counts. 
16.7% of percent of their counts have ended that way. This team is constantly ahead of the pitcher. You would assume that a lineup featuring Ian Happ, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras, and Kyle Schwarber could thrive when seeing favorable counts. So what's happening? According to Ross, it feels like a little backwards right now. Um, we've got some leverage in counts, and we're taking some heaters that maybe we should hit and get into some protective counts and chase more than what we really like. And what Ross is saying kind of makes sense. And when you're not hunting for those fa- heaters in those favorable accounts, like obviously that's not great. But the problem is the Cubs, only 48, 41.8% of the pitches the Cubs are seeing in those favorable accounts are fastballs in the zone, which ranks 28th in baseball. Uh, any pitch in the zone they've seen in those counts, they're only swinging at 51.7% of the time, which is 25th in baseball. They swing at miss of those pitches in the zone 9.7% of the time, which is 14th in the league. So the Cubs aren't seeing a lot of those pitches to really drive, especially in favorable counts. It's strange to see pitchers not throw these guys fastballs, but I think everyone knows in baseball, there's a team you don't want to throw fastballs to. It's 100% the Cubs. Uh, What's frustrating right now is teams, even though they're down in counts, are still not giving those Cubs those pitches. And as Ross is kind of alluding to, it feels like sometimes they aren't just quite hitting those balls as well as they should or just missing them. We've seen that with Javi staring at a lot of strike three uh, fastballs in the outside corner or middle of the plate. That's been very strange. But it also feels like, too, when they're getting in these protective, protective accounts, they're swinging at pitches they really shouldn't. And there was a guy. I, there's a couple of bats I can think of right now, but with Nico Horner against the White Sox, even in that Sunday game where the Cubs were looking a little bit better, at least against uh, Dylan Cease. Uh, I mean, obviously not much better. It was a Kyle Schwarber home run that made the difference, but the 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 bats were more encouraging, at least. Um, there were still some times where like a slider comes across the plate, obviously leaving to the outside of the zone, and and Horner was worried it was going to hit the corner and just kind of swung at nothing. And it's it just weird. Javi Baez has done that quite a bit too. Wilson Contreras, even Anthony Rizzo, uh, he had a 2-1 count and hit this curveball. I think he must have been fooled by a left-handed pitcher, but must have thought he was getting a fastball. Either way, 2-1 count, you don't, you're not chasing that low fastball away. I, I, I don't know what was going on, but it feels like their approach in certain moments, especially when they're getting protective, is, is way too aggressive which is kind of the opposite of what should be happening when they're ahead of these accounts. <laughs> so it, 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 it's strange. It's, it seems like for, for everything that they're doing right, it should translate to more offense. And the good thing is these are all things you see from very good teams, like the A's, the Yankees, the, uh, the Twins right now are all teams are, that are seeing a lot of pitches but also doing damage in, in these counts. So Hopefully the Cubs just need to work out of their funk. They've got a lot of guys that were struggling coming into this. We talked about it a lot with Lockdown White Sox. I mean, even Herb Lawrence and and, and Chris Tannehill could see like how how terribly Javi Baez was struggling, how strange of a bats even Anthony Rizzo was having. He's in kind of one of those weird funks right now. Wilson Contreras being over aggressive. Ian Happ had been really good up until this weekend, or you know, up until this last week, really kind of cooled off the rest of this offense. Still having a great season, but um, you know, batting average dipped below 300, which doesn't mean much. OPS dropping from a thousand to eight, eight high eight hundreds. Uh, you know, the, he's coming back to earth a little bit along with the rest of his offense that was hitting so well. But um, they were still surprised. You know, they were expecting a little bit better of an offense was showing from this Cubs team, and they just didn't quite do it. So it, it seems like the answer is the Cubs need to try and take advantage of these pitches when they're there because they aren't seeing them a lot. Their limiting teams are limiting their chances to really do damage. So that means they have to kind of take advantage of the pitches that they see, and they haven't quite done that. So hopefully things will change. 
Um, according to Patrick Mooney, the Cubs do not view Braylon Marquez or Burl Calloway or Caraway, their second round pick from this year's draft, as realistic options to help the major league team this season. Marquez is 21 years old and has never pitched above A ball. Caraway is 21 years old and is through 51 and a third innings across three seasons with Dallas Baptiste before drafted two months ago. The Cubs have been patient with these talented lefties at the South Bend training site, focusing on the player development and long-term growth of the pitchers instead of letting them loose. That's according to Patrick Mooney from The Athletic. So Ryan and I were talking about how we think we were saying we wanted to get a podcast put out here saying that Braylon Marquez could be the lefty reliever the Cubs need, but it sounds like neither him or Burl Caraway, who was probably more of a long shot Caraway being drafted this year, um, to, to be on this team. But the Cubs need lefties, and these guys can obviously – do some damage against pitcher against hitters. So uh, be nice to see Burke Calloway or Caraway was definitely one of the more polished left-handed relievers in the draft. And obviously nearly 52 innings of work from uh, Dallas Baptist university. That's still pretty impressive. He obviously has a very good understanding of what works and how to be effective as a left-handed reliever. So guys, the Cubs could probably use, but something I don't think the Cubs are ready to promote these guys quite yet, which makes sense. It's just a bummer. But, of course, Steve Epstein has talked a little bit about the deadline. He's saying he wants to be aggressive along with the rest of his Cubs team here. Um, Cubs Insider put together a list of seven names, which included Marquez and, and Caraway. This obviously came out before <laughs> Mooney released these, uh, these quotes here about the Cubs pretty much saying they're not going to move these guys up. But Tony Watson, Daniel Norris, Trevor Rosenthal, Ken Giles, Derek Holland, all guys that they list as names that makes sense for the Cubs. And yeah, I think Tony Watson's the guy uh, Ryan and I keep circling. He seems to make the most sense either. I mean, Ken Giles is a talented guy. He's 28 years old though, on a Toronto team. That's going to try and compete. I think he's on, he might be on his second to last year. He might have another year of control after this, but uh, he's a good arm. Definitely right-handed reliever though. Obviously Trevor Rosenthal, Daniel Norris, guys that we've seen before for the Cardinals. They could make sense. Uh, Derek Holland obviously played for the Cubs last year. Wasn't so great, but is a left-handed specialist, the guy that has starting ability, not somebody you necessarily want to put against right-handed hitters, though. He does smash, get smashed against them, does get smashed against Dale or Bryce, <laughs> Bryce Harper, too. I want to say Dallas Harper, Jesus. Um, but <laughs> uh, options to look at, those guys are kind of the mold of the player the Cubs will be going after because they're, they're not going to take on salary. They're not going to – you see what the Red Sox did and they had to, the Phillies had to give – back some of this money to to make this deal work the Cubs will probably have to make a deal work like that in that fashion as well and they're they're really not trying to take on salary and as we knew in this offseason and during the pandemic too a little bit before the season got kicked off the Cubs are trying to shed salary they wanted to get underneath the cap I think they're going to try and add they know they need to be you know aggressive and it's kind of out of Theo's nature to not go in after someone or at least show some interest in something I'm sure there's players they're looking at but um, it'll kind of be interesting to see with the financial landscape of things and how it's shaking out the trade deadline, obviously coming next week. So we should hear more, but you know, nothing definitive yet. I think it'll just kind of be like if the, if the deal lines up the way the Cubs are hoping for, they might pull the trigger, but I don't think they're necessarily going to be super aggressive. Despite a lot of reports saying Epstein's going to go out there and be aggressive. I just don't see it. I don't see how you, you know, talk this whole off season about not spending money about, you know, pretty much being indifferent about signing some of these guys long-term and, you know, the idea of some of these guys being traded was floated around nonstop. Um, I just don't see them coming in and getting a big deal or, or paying money to take someone on. They're going to look for someone cheap. And Tony Watson seems like that guy, but I'm sure he seems like that guy for a lot of teams right now. So <laughs> we'll have to see what happens, but 
That'll do it for today's show. Remember to get the show every day. You need to subscribe to Lockdown Cubs and whatever podcast app you use, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn App, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe. Leave a five-star review. And then make sure you check out the latest episode of Lockdown MLB hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him silly. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown MLB after this episode of Lockdown Cubs. And then make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean R. Sears. Thanks for tuning into your guys' Daily Cubs podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, go Cubs! <laughs>